You are listening to episode 37 of the EU Startups Podcast. Today's guest is Daniel Serverdai, the 20-year-old founder and CEO of Celix, an e-commerce sales solution for digital entrepreneurs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the EU Startups Podcast. Before we jump into the interview with today's guest, I'm excited to introduce our podcast sponsor. This episode of the EU Startups Podcast is brought to you by Vanta, helping you scale security practices and automate compliance for the industry's most sought-after standards. To close and grow major customers, you have to demonstrate trust. But providing your security and compliance can be time-consuming tedious and expensive, especially for startups, unless you use Vanta. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for the most thought-after compliance standards like SOC2 and ISO 27001 and gets you audit-ready in weeks instead of months. With Vanta, you get up to 400 hours of your time back and reach up to 85% in cost savings. And for a limited time, EU Startups listeners get $1,000 off Vanta. Just go to vanta.com forward slash EU Startups without a dash to get started. So today I'm excited to welcome Danielle Serbadai, the founder and CEO of Celix, for an interview as part of the EU Startups podcast. Founded in 2021, the Italian startup Salix offers a powerful e-commerce solution built for digital entrepreneurs, which includes everything you need to create, grow, and manage an online store. Danielle is just 20 years old, currently studying, and with Salix, he and his team have already generated about 100 million worth of e-commerce transactions. Danielle, welcome to the EU Startups Podcast, and thank you for taking the time. Absolutely, and thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. So it's quite rare that uh, a 20-year-old student uh, is achieving that amount of success that early. Um, can you tell us a bit about your background? Uh, did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family? And when did you discover your passion for coding and entrepreneurship? Yeah, sure. So um, as I said, I'm 20 years old now, so I don't really have that much of a background, to be honest. Uh, what I can speak uh, for, of course, is uh, basically what my family had how they grew up and actually when I started, you know, uh, learning to into coding and, and, and this kind of stuff. So first off, my family is not and doesn't have in, in an entrepreneurial background, let's say. Mm -hmm. So they actually are two um, engineers. Um, my, my father is a bit more of a software engineer. My mother is just a standard, not just, but a, she's a standard engineer. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually where I picked up the passion uh, for coding, uh, because I started coding like um, when I was in middle school at the end of middle school. Uh, I guess it's a correct term for it in Italian, but when I was around 13, 14 years old, mm -hmm. and I started with uh, languages such as uh, C and C. Mm -hmm. And after that, I like moved into more web. Um, web-related programming languages such as Python, JavaScript, PHP, and so on. Mm -hmm. And really, that's when my passion started for coding. And that's really uh, also how I got into Celix, not really just by coding, 
but I started joining this kind of like online communities that were talking about coding, about uh, the, the online and digital world. And based on that, we then decided uh, we then decided we are co-founder to start Sadlix, and that's really how um, it really began. Mm-hmm. Exciting. So I can assume that Salix has been mostly also coded by yourself. Uh, correct. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. very first version of the platform was entirely coded by me, uh, mm-hmm. both for the front end and back end. Uh, though now we have a few other employees that uh, are strictly into develop- the development side of things. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And what inspired you to start Salix in the first place? And what's the current state of the company? So really what inspired us to start it was that we saw something that we saw that something was missing, you know. We, we like we saw and we recognized that there was a gap in the market. And basically there was no clear solution that enabled both, you know, standard businesses but also individuals to sell their products and services online digitally and at the exact, at the exact same time accept basically any kind of payment method from bank transfer to credit cards, PayPal and cryptocurrencies mainly. So that's really where the idea began. And that's why we decided to start Salix in the first place, which was in the early 2021. And so we created a platform. We saw what merchants were asking in terms of features, in terms of what they wanted to see, actually to be able to do on that same platform. And then both me and the co-founder started it. And then we saw that it actually took quite a little bit of traction mm-hmm. and to, uh, to where we are now today. And the current, uh, let's say, state inside of the company is that from two co-founders, we are now, we now rather have four employees. Uh, mm-hmm. One is Italian, uh, one German, one Serbian, and one from Poland. Uh, they all handle different things. So we have two customer support guys, uh, one system administrator, one front-end lead developer. And then we also rely on like PR and marketing and other developers with, through other uh, contractors and external firms. So um, I guess in total, if you have to count them as well, we are around 10 to 12 guys guys and girls, uh, let's say, um, at all. Mm -hmm. And you didn't raise any outside funding yet. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, we haven't raised anything so far. Uh, The company has been completely bootstrapped from from the beginning. Uh, However, now we are going through our first seed round. We expect to complete it within like the next two to three months. Uh, but yeah, no funding so far. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry for the direct question, but are you guys profitable already? Or Yeah, absolutely. It's actually a really great story. We've been completely profitable uh, since we launched the platform. And that's also what really enabled us to not needing to go through a standard fundraising process where before launching the company into the market, you need to raise money Mm -hmm. Uh, by being completely profitable. And that was mainly thanks to our cryptocurrency system. Uh, But basically, by being completely profitable, we've been able to do whatever we wanted in the platform without having to rely on external money or external, you know, VCs that dictated what we had to do just at the beginning and just when we started. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we have been completely profitable and we are today as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Congratulations again for that Thank success. Um, and um, 
I mean, even since you're bootstrapped and then you um, were able to generate this amount of transactions uh, already since uh, the founding um, uh, date of the company, uh, how how have you been able to achieve that momentum? Like, um, what were the key enablers that um, uh, that led to th this amount of transactions and uh, business activity that you saw on the platform so far? Yeah, so... The very first thing that someone should do when starting a startup is to not waste too much time about implementing hundreds of features and trying to accommodate so many different merchants and customers that they want to have. But rather, they just should focus on a niche. They should focus on something that is not really easy to do, let's say, but something that is brief. It doesn't take too much time. Then you mm -hmm. start on that niche and then you look for you know, features, suggestions that the niche gives you, and then you create and build your product based on that. And that's exactly what we did. We didn't try to uh, create the next Shopify immediately. We didn't try to create the next Stripe, Square, or Coinbase Commerce immediately. Rather, what we did is that uh, both me and the co-founders were into these online communities, as I've said before, that we're talking about anything between like trading, uh, cryptocurrencies, digital products and services, And so what we did is that we found our kind of niche. We launched Celix into those online communities. We have taken the feedback from them. We have taken what kind of features they wanted to see. And throughout the years, well, year and a half, let's say, because we haven't actually gone through the second year uh, yet, uh, we basically implemented everything that they wanted us to implement. We scaled up from that. And that's really how we achieved the number of transactions and merchants that we have so far. Not really by trying to start with everything immediately, but by launching our product as soon as possible with just a few features that were enough for some niches, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, you guys are also allowing transactions via cryptocurrencies, uh, I think. Um, how do you deal with the volatility uh, of those cryptocurrencies and does it have any effect on uh, your business? So... <laughs> It's actually a funny question to ask now because just 24 hours ago, the SEC indicted both Binance, both Binance and Coinbase. And mm -hmm. just the year ago, uh, FTX and a few other exchanges went bankrupt, basically. Mm -hmm. And so to, to answer directly your question, no, um, we, we are not affected by the volatility of the crypto market because us as a company, we do not keep our earnings in cryptos, but rather we convert them immediately as soon as we have received them. So mm -hmm. um, that hasn't affected us that much. Though what the crypto winter affected us with is that uh, we basically saw a really steep decline in sales and, and, and buys, let's say, with cryptocurrencies. So we went from like having around 60 to 65% uh, of our cash flow being cryptocurrencies, and it went down to like 25 to 30%. And now it's, it's gone up. Uh, a little bit, it's it's in a stable kind of 40 to 45%. But yeah, the crypto winter basically hasn't really affected as much as the company, but it has affected how the end consumers, so the clients of our clients, mm -hmm. buy the product. So what kind of gateway they use, uh, how much the average transaction is. The, so all these little things that in the end, yes, affected our revenue as well, but not uh, that much. So we have been mm -hmm. able to go through with it without issues at all. 
Okay. So the entre entrepreneurial journey is often a roller coaster, right? So you have ups and downs. And um, I'm curious, like, what were some of the main obstacles in the beginning of starting CellX uh, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, the, to be honest, um, the, the main issues, let's say, at the beginning of certain CellX were due to my age because mm -hmm. uh, I was still going through my final year of high school. So I found myself sometimes having to, like, <laughs> go out of the classroom to just um, answer to some calls with lawyers, with accountants and whatever, because it was just a time where we um, were preparing and incorporating the company here in Italy. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, in the last year of high school here in Italy, you have a final exam. So I was, I had to prepare for my final exam. I had to attend school and I had to, to somehow see the answer calls and prepare for the creation and incorporation of the company. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's really uh, one of the uh, biggest issues that I had uh, in, in, you know, going on and, and creating the, the company. Uh, a few other issues, though, not related to my age, not related directly to me. Um, is really how you need to be uh, perfect when trying to set up payment gateways. Mm -hmm. uh, because with cryptos, uh, maybe not in 2021, but surely now you have so many regulations, rules, and things that you need to follow to be able to stay afloat. And by afloat, I don't mean profitable. I mean, uh, like not in jail. So that's one, that was one really uh learning curve that we both me and the co-founder had to have when creating the business so handling regulations and stuff with cryptocurrencies on this at the same time on the side you have uh, that you need to be able to basically set up in the right way any kind of payment method that you're using so it's right you need to, to talk with them you need to let them know what you're doing what you're using your platform for otherwise the risk of not having a credit card gateway going forward mm -hmm. the same the same thing goes for paypal and so on so those, those are the two key issues that we have had basically regulations and payments and mm -hmm. my basically me being too young um and still going through school mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, uh, I mean, Celix uh, looks super promising. Uh, what motivated you to go back to school and pursue a degree in computer science? Why not 100% focusing on Celix? Well, to be honest, uh, I am, of course, focusing 100% to Celix. Mm -hmm. Though I wanted to also keep some time and some of my time to go through university. Not really because I need to learn more of, let's say, computer science but for the uh, kind of ambient that is there. So, you know, um, getting to know the professors, getting to know uh, many people there, because there are still so many things that I do not know personally, that I want to know, that I want to learn. And at the same time, um, the, from time to time, there might be the possibility of actually being able to hire people inside the university to and get them work to Celix, which is to be honest, really, really hard here in Italy because the talent is really lacking. At any kind of age, it's really hard to find good developers and mainly good developers from what we're doing today, which is, you know, the, the web, the cryptocurrencies, um, all this kind of stuff, all this kind of stuff. So it's really hard to find people for that. So mm -hmm. university might be some kind of opening for, for it too. Um, it hasn't been so far, but it might be in the future. So those are the main reasons why I decided to still go through, uh, through it. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, how do you balance uh, studying and running uh, the company and then also having a bit of a private life? Like what's what's your time management secret, secret to a good uh, study, work, life balance? Yeah, so uh, that it's, it's really hard. I don't think I really have a balance, to be honest. Um, of course, studying took a bit of a hit, uh, just as my private life did, uh, because of course I'm currently focusing 100% on aesthetics. And then on my spare time, I go to university. And of course, from time to time in the weekend, maybe uh, I try to go out with friends as well. Mm -hmm. um, there's really no correct answer to that, I'd say. It really depends on uh, what someone feels, like what, what they want to do with their life. Um, for me, I take the weekend off, not, not really full off, but the, the nights of the weekends off for my friends. Um, some days of the week, I go to university, but... The remaining is rededicated to basically Salix. Mm -hmm. Understood. And uh, what are your future plans for Salix? Um, where do you see the company in the next three or four years in terms of size, impact, features? What's coming for the company? So technically and strategically speaking, the next steps for us are to look into obtaining all the right licenses and things that we will need to run a successful cryptocurrency business. Because that's what we will need, uh, you know, with new regulations, with Mika, with all the things that you see happening in the United States, for example. That's something that we will need to do and that we're doing to date. Uh, besides that, our main goal is to go and replace those big companies in the payment industry, in the e-commerce industry, and in the crypto industry that uh, <clears throat> are basically not doing what we think they should be doing. And so that, that's really what... Uh, our idea of the future looks like for Salix. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and um, young um, people uh, listening to this podcast. Um, probably most of them are not yet uh, as successful as you are. Um, can you share some um, startup advice for aspiring founders? Um, what, what, what have been some of the key learnings um, for you on your entrepreneurial journey so far um, that you can share with others? Yeah, so absolutely. So, um, and to be honest, you should all take just a grain of salt because I'm very young. I might not have had that many experiences that some mm -hmm. others out here might have had. But to be honest, the first thing I would say is that if you have an idea, uh, of course, you shouldn't completely quit everything else you're doing in your life. But if you have an idea, you should at least try starting with it. You should at least try seeing what you're doing with it. And that's if someone that hasn't started at all would like, basically ask me what what they should be doing. At mm -hmm. the same time, for just starting your, your, your startup and your company, as I've said before, do not waste too much time on trying to do too many things at once. You should find one thing that you're good at one thing that your company can be good at and then you launch based on that then you get the feedback from your users you get the feedback from whoever is actually using your product and then you build your product based on that and then you start raising then you start doing whatever you'd like to do uh, but i honestly know some people that wanted to launch their company and their product in the perfect in the most perfect way possible and so they just wasted too much time actually building the product and actually trying to um, make everything perfect. And in the end, they did nothing um, that could actually have helped them going through with it. So mm -hmm. my, my honest 
insight and my honest um, suggestion for them is to just get started, try to have something on the table, launch with that, and then see how it goes from there. Because it's much easier to do that than to just wait and wait and wait and prepare for a perfect product that will never happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Good advice. And in the beginning of the interview, you mentioned that you're considering raising a seed round in the near future. Um, how much money are you planning to raise and what's the best way for investors to get in contact with you? Uh, so uh, to be honest, this, the, the, the round is uh, quite finished, uh, but okay. I'd be happy for like any investor to still reach out if they think that they might be a great fit for us. Uh, in terms of how much raising, uh, it's between two and three million euro. The uh, valuation is still to be defined, quite honestly, because there are some things that we're still working on, uh, mm -hmm. but it should uh, be up more than 10 million euro. So those are the two key numbers that we have. Of course, as I've said before, we, ex we expect to finish everything within this or the next month. And um, yeah, that's basically about it, in speaking about the round. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, maybe as final question, um, you are based in Italy. Um, and um, are you considering maybe uh, to move the company to uh, London or Berlin uh, or another big startup hub in the future? Or do you think you can um, um, grow the company to its full potential uh, in Italy? Uh, so Italy is a really friendly place for growing a startup, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And yes, as I mentioned, we are actually uh, through the process of establishing our holding company in the UK. Mm -hmm. And but we will keep the um, subsidiary in Italy for a few amount for any month reasons. For example, we will need it for the micro regulations, crypto wise. But at the same time, you know, <clears throat> we actually feel like that keeping the uh, subsidiary here in Italy will be a great thing for the future. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we are opening an holding company in UK, but still keeping. Salix uh, SRL here in Italy as well. Okay. Well, then, yeah, thank you so much. A very inspiring story. Thanks for taking time. And we at EU Startups will certainly um, keep a close eye on your next steps. And yeah, congrats. And let's catch up soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye.